If it moves the needle, if it gets people talking, it's on the top five at five. Brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. Today, it's the top five things that didn't happen when the Cubs won the World Series. Number five, Vince Vaughn didn't become a good actor again. He peaked in 2005 with the Wedding Crashers and in 2004 with Dodgeball and hasn't done anything even decent since. In fact, he ruined True Detective, mangled it so badly, HBO canceled it. Vince Vaughn's losing streak is alive at 11 years and counting. Number four, dead people who were Cubs fans don't know the Cubs won the World Series. Why? Because they're dead. Number three, Pearl Jam didn't become relevant again. Pearl Jam hasn't had a platinum album since 1998, so Eddie Vedder, go the frig away. Your losing streak is alive at 18 years and counting. Did anybody buy Lightning Bolt? No. Did anybody buy Backspacer? No. Did you even know those were Pearl Jam albums? No, you did not. Number two, I keep hearing how winning last night erased 108 years of failure. That is not true. If you look at the list of World Series champions from 1909 through 2015, it says not the Chicago Cubs. Nothing can ever change what's already happened. And number one, Steve Bartman didn't come back. Cubs fans proclaim themselves to be this big brotherhood and a community and yada yada. That is a bunch of crap. In 2003, you viciously turned on one of your own, Steve Bartman, who just did what any fan would have done and tried to catch a foul ball. You ruined being a Cub fan for Steve Bartman and winning last night does not forgive you for that. That's the top five at five brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. Uh, Scott, you'll notice I didn't insult Bill Murray or John Cusack. That's because they're awesome and beyond reproach. (laughs) That's the line. That's the line you drew. Well, right. Yeah. If you're awesome and beyond reproach. What was your take on, uh, and by the way, Scott Paulson, uh, from uh, 1250, I mean, from the DV morning show. Why are you, are you embarrassed by the 1250? Because I wasn't. Why? Yeah, oh, it was an awful show. Thank you. No, it wasn't. It was great. Oh, okay, good. I'm I would, glad you I, were the one. I would have listened to it, except it was on at the same yeah, time as me. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They, they took your one loyal listener and made it so he couldn't listen. I yeah. thought that was bad planning. They did. It was awful. Uh, it was awful, and it was re- uh, really just a pain in my butt to do. And, um, and, you, and you know, it, it's like almost immediate. You know that it's bad, and you know it's not going to get better, and you know you're in it. And it's like, okay, let's try to make it better. Let's work every day. <laughs> but you just know. It's like, yep. It's not good. Given your description, I got three words for you. World Championship Wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's had that gig. It's it's fine. And uh, God bless them for giving it to me and giving me a shot and giving me a chance. And it was fun. It was fun. Doing the show was fun. But it wasn't a good show. I mean, I'm honest with myself. I know when I'm good and when I'm bad. I was bad. Thank you. <laughs> now, now, were you entranced, almost hypnotized, by the Cubs winning their first World Series since 1908 last night? Because I was not. I thought I could watch seven more. Uh, I thought the matchup between those two teams was great. Yes. It couldn't have been no more perfect because you had the, the Indians who, uh, uh, although they had a great record during the season, although they made it all the way to the World Series, really weren't the caliber of the Cubs. They had to play perfectly to beat the Cubs in a seven-game series, and they didn't. They came close, and I think I could have watched that another seven games because I ended up rooting for both teams at one point or another. You know, it's easy not to like the Cubs because of the big city and they got all the great players. And you can argue, like, like you've been arguing, about budget and money spent, et cetera, et cetera. But they were different, completely different teams with different approaches. And I thought that the management uh, of, the, of the Cubs during the series was awful. 
awful. And had they lost that series in seven or five, oh. like they were going down the tubes, he would have been strung up. Madden would have been strung up. But as it was, they won, and it'll all be forgotten and swept under the carpet. But I thought that it really showed what kind of a manager Joe Madden is, which is not much. I, I agree. He overmanaged badly. He, he used Chapman in game six, just didn't need to do it, juggled the catchers in and out last night. I mean, if John Lester is so crazy that he has to pitch to David Ross, right. maybe he's not the guy to bring in for game seven of the World Series, although that said, he, he pitched pretty well. But, uh, yeah, I don't think Frank Conner did a great job either. I thought they all exhausted their benches too early. Although then again, with Francona, he doesn't have nearly the depth Madden does. So for him to grasp at straws a little bit, maybe drop one, is a bit more forgivable. The way that it's played now, though, Mark, the way that the game is played now, and it's and it's just within the last two or three seasons, everything has changed. The way the game is played now, you don't have a starter going more than six innings. It doesn't happen. In this World Series, I think they said last night, they hadn't had a single starter on either team go six the or The first more. time ever. Yeah, and that's just the way the game is played. So if you don't have a bullpen... You're not going to get anywhere in this league. Nowhere. You yeah, got to. You got to have a couple aces. You got to have a bullpen. And last night they they started this because it's game seven, last game of the year. They're going to start rolling their starters out out of their bullpen. I thought that was really an interesting game to watch. I love the game. I thought it was a great game seven, and I stayed up for the whole thing, and, and I, I enjoyed it. But everything, every sport, has now become about the fans, and it's annoying. It's boring. Well, how do you mean about annoying. the fans? Expand on about that. About the fans. If you watch any sport now, half the video that I see, half the visual that I see, are shots of people in the stands. I don't care about that. That isn't why. And I'm that's watching. locally, nationally, everything. Nationally, I agree. Yeah, very much. And the, and the, that's why the games take so long too. And would you agree that every sport, but especially baseball, takes way too long to play? And I understand sure. the baseball part of the romance is it doesn't have a clock. But that doesn't mean you drag it out every way you can. The most exciting baseball game ever played, supposedly, and you, you brought it up early on the show, was Game 7 of the 1960 World Series. A 10-9 game that was won in the bottom of the ninth. It took less than three hours to play. A 10-9 game. Less than three hours to play. So that part of it needs help. And certainly this whole idea of let's, let's involve everyone on the planet <laughs> with rooting for this team is annoying. It's annoying to the rest of us. Just watch. Just show me what's going on on the field. And all day today, it's all about who were the Cub fans. So what stars were rooting for the Cubs? Everybody's trying to even. You talking about Sports Center earlier today. Everybody's talking about. Everybody trying to make me think about and want to be interested in uh, celebrities rooting for these teams. I don't care. I don't care. We have twenty five guys Murray than the yes. Cubs players, and I love Bill Murray. Don't get me wrong. Me I love too. Bill Murray. Everybody does. He's everybody's friend. But it's a 25-man roster that won that World Series. You've got 25 stories sitting Bill Murray right there in front of, of you. Them. Yeah, so so you got 25 stories sitting right there. Talk about those guys. They're the ones that won, not some guy whose mother is dead and he played the radio for. Who cares? Well, you know a lot about baseball. I'd like to host this show from April through October. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll do a, we'll do a tag team thing. You take hockey, I'll take baseball. We'll be fine. Uh, are the Pirates ever going to win a World Series? Do they even want to do that? I won't say never. Yeah, I, I do think they do want to, but I really yeah I do think so. But I I think that two I think that three years ago it could have happened. It all has to. It's like every other sport. Well, you that's right. Hot at the they right had time. their run, and if they would have just built a little on top of what they had, maybe Which they will not do. Which right, they will not do. So looking at it that way, you think nah, they probably never will. But I I don't like to say never because there's always those years where you have a run at the end of the year and you're the hottest team. So they could take a run at somebody. Not 
the way they're built right now. Boy, the sure. Cubs are going to make it tough for the next five or six years, though, Scott, because they're going to win the division every year. And even if the Pirates can get that wild card, that's a tough spot to battle out of. Yeah, never say never, though, because you got lots of things that play into it. Injuries. Uh, you have guys that suddenly decide that they're worth a lot more money than they are, and they start turning it into a bad locker room. All kinds of things can happen. But the way they look right now, they seem to play like a team. They don't make many – this is the Cubs I'm talking about. They seem to play like a team. They don't make many mistakes. They seem to know how to play the ball game, And uh, there don't seem to be any problem children. Not really. I don't see of any on, on the horizon, on, on, t- on that team. What's your take on the way the local media covers the Pirates? Are, are there too many broadcast partners and media partners and not enough actual coverage? I don't uh, I, I don't know whether the local media – I don't know whether I can criticize the local media one way or the other. I think the, I think that Root, I think the broadcast channel, the television broadcast channel, once again, I'll go back to, to my pet peeve about sports in general, but certainly about the Pirates and certainly about Root. I don't care about somebody's baby eating an ice cream. I got to tell you, I don't <laughs> care about what somebody's eating, and I don't care to hear a story about 1978. I don't care. There's, there's so many things going on, happening on the field that you could be showing me or talking to me about that I'm interested in. And maybe that's because I'm an old guy, and that happens. Happens to the best of us. But I don't want to see a baby eating an ice cream cone. If I wanted that, I'd watch that channel. There's, I got 300 channels. There's got to be one, which is There's nothing a baby but baby ice cream ice cone cream. channel? I'm sure. There's a puppy channel. They're all out there. I have channels that are in languages I've never even heard before, way, way up on the dish. I'm out in the country, and we have to have a dish, satellite. So I'm sure I'm getting Russian channels and Chinese channels and all kinds of stuff that I don't watch, and I'm paying for it. But I don't want to pay for babies eating ice cream. That is Scott Paulson. We have more of Scott Paulson, radio legend. How long did it take you to drive up from the farm? Uh, I did it today in an hour. Really? Yeah. Well, what is, that's not, well, it's a tractor, so, you know, a little cold, but that was an hour. 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, what's up? In and out like the psychotic version of the hokey pokey. Mark, you are super genius. I know. The X at 105.9. This segment brought to you by RiceWorks Crispy Snacks, the healthy snack alternative. Check them out at RiceWorks.com. Scott Paulson, uh, the radio legend from DVE, from uh, 1250 uh, ESPN, and... WIMZ Knoxville. Somebody mentioned uh, the Man Station. You were briefly with the Man Station. I was. Wow. That wasn't called the Man Station. See, that's the first thing. Is pe- People always call it the Man Station. It was never even called that, and it got that name. That's how, that's how poorly promoted that one was. That one lasted... Five months. That's it? Yeah. Guy calls me up. Guy that's running the place calls me up at home on a Sunday night Steeler game. And he says, hey, can you come in earlier tomorrow? Going to have a meeting. I said, okay. I was doing afternoons. He said, oh, okay. What time What time do you want to meet? And he goes, well, uh, how about 8 o'clock? <laughs> I was like, 8 o'clock in the morning? He's like, yeah, 8 o'clock. Uh, uh. Uh, he says, I said, what? And he said, can we meet not at the radio station? Let's meet somewhere else. I was like, am I being fired? And he said, no, 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 no. Where do you want to meet? He says, well, it's when I'm down in, in Washington County. He says, uh, how about that Waffle House that's next to the racetrack? And I'm like, Waffle House? When your boss asks you to meet at Waffle House, you know that they're not going to spend, they're going to spend eight bucks on whatever the meal is. So you, you're definitely being fired. So ask them again. Am I being fired? Oh, no, no, no. So I get to Waffle House and he fires me and he fires everybody. They're going to, they're, they just, they just fired everybody. So that day they started playing Christmas music on the air. 
and this is my this was my job. It's like I worked my butt off to do this show, and the next day it's Christmas music. So I was under contract to them. This is CBS. I was under contract to them for two more years, a year and a half left on the contract. And they did nothing with me. I sat around and they paid me, which was great. Oh, I got that for eight and months was for great. 1250. It was marvelous. It was great. But I go crazy when I got nothing to do. So I'm like, uh, 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 you got six different radio stations. Put me on one of them. Come on. I'll play records. I'll talk sports. I'll talk. Do it. Just put, I'll do traffic. I don't care. Use me for something. So they did. They finally did. They put me on KDKA at night with John Steigerwald. Me and John Steigerwald doing a talk show. Man, it was funny. We It wasn't supposed to be, but it was really funny. <laughs> and I had such a good time. He's a great guy. I will tell you that right up front. He is one of my favorite people, John Steigerwald, because he is crazy as the day is long. He's insane, and it's fun. It's fun. At first, I thought it was an act, but then I realized... He's crazy, and it was great. We had a great time. I'd do a, another show with him because he's well, he's nuts. Well, do you miss doing it all the time now, Scott? I, I loved it when you came back for that one year with the <clears throat> DV Morning Show, and, and yet, from all accounts, you seem happy down on the farm. I am. I am happy. I'm happy and healthy and, and all those great things. Every once in a while, something will come up, and I'll start telling the chickens a joke. You know, or set up a, set up a bit and, and run it past my wife, who's like, shut up. Just stop it. Go tell the horse. And but that passes and and I get past it. So I I I miss um let's put it this way I miss 1995 and it will never be 1995 again for me or anybody else. So I couldn't I'd like to come back and have you know sit in this room with Bob McLaughlin and Jimmy Crenn and 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 Phil Kurzik and Chris Winter and you know everybody Eddie Crow and do that show. But it's not 1995 and that that ain't gonna happen again. So that part I miss, but that's just history. What is it about DVE? I think it's mostly because of guys like you and everybody that's been on the morning show. You just mentioned some very familiar names. But why does DV in Pittsburgh have such a connection that just never shows any sign of being broken? I don't know. I can't answer that one. I know that I listened to it when I was in junior high school. And you had to, there was only in Chester, West Virginia, there was like one place in town. There was a basketball court on Third Street. You go all the way up on top of Third Street. If you were shooting basketball there and had a radio, you could pick it up. Anywhere else in town, you couldn't. So, all the cool people, we shot basketball at Third Street and listened to Jimmy Roach. You know, that was the thing. And, it, and it, I think because you couldn't get it, it wasn't immediately available. You couldn't get replays. You couldn't pick it up on, there was no internet. It was back in the 1900s. So, I think because it was a little bit cool and a little bit underground, that really got under my skin, and I never was, even at that time, thinking about being a disc jockey or anything like that. I just loved the radio station. And then when the opportunity happened to work there, it was really odd because I had listened to it you know, my whole life. And then suddenly, it's like, wow, I, I could actually work there. That's a weird, weird juxtaposition of things. Now, the Steelers in DVE are very much intertwined. Uh, they've been uh, a couple for, boy, it's pretty much my whole career, almost 20 years now. Uh, and the Steelers show no sign of fading from the Pittsburgh lexicon either. And I don't think ever will. I think there's no chance of that. Um, I guess it's dumb to ask why. It's football, it's America, and it's Pittsburgh. But there's a really special bond there that I like to make fun of, but it's nonetheless very special. It is. It's it's a fantastic bond. And I, I'm sure that there are other cities in the United States where this happens, but I've never lived in any of them when it was happening. Um, I was down in Tennessee when the University of Tennessee w- was a great football powerhouse and yeah people were painting their dogs orange and that sort of stuff but it wasn't it's not like this this is 
I've never experienced anything like it in sports. I've never really experienced anything like it in even fandom, where people there there is no gray line there. It's like if you're from here, I don't know how anyone could be in this city and be a Raiders fan, a Ravens fan, a, a Cowboys fan, or any fan of you know uh, certainly the the Browns back in the day. I don't I don't see it, how it that could happen. happen. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. happen. Now, now I do. I was talking earlier. I know people who have lived in Pittsburgh their whole lives that are Red Sox fans right. or Yankees fans. That just doesn't happen in football. And again, it's that that special, unique bond. I think that it happens in other sports. I think it's just football here. I, I think even in hockey, there are hockey fans in Pittsburgh who are not Penguins fans. They're fans of other teams. I've run into them. But I do not run into NFL fans for other teams. It just doesn't happen. Now, a, a weird part is, though, and I know there's a lot of young Steeler fans that just can't get tickets to Heinz Field. It's a very old crowd. What is the average age of that crowd is, Scott, at Heinz Field? And will there ever be somebody outside with a wagon saying, bring out your dead? <laughs> See, I think, I think there's two different things going on here. I think the live game, uh, being at the game, is a whole completely different thing than Steelers football. I, I don't go to the games. I won't go to the games. I don't want to go to the games. Don't want anything to do with it. Don't want to be in the crowd. Don't want to be with those people. Don't like those people. Or are you right on the money? Don't you, like it. You have echoed everything I, I say go. on this show all the but, time. But 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 8 o'clock, whatever time that Steeler game starts, if I'm unable to listen to a pregame, which I'll listen to, because I and, and one of the reasons that DVE is such a great powerhouse, I don't mean to be talking up another radio station, but one of the reasons is that's a great, capital G, great broadcast from beginning to end from the time they start till the time they sign it off on Sundays or whenever whatever the game day is that week it's a great broadcast but that having been said football to me at this point in time Steelers football is a television show it's a television show and it's made for TV I love it on TV I'm bored to death when I go to a live game whether it's a college game or a pro game I'm bored I want to know what's going on I'm asking people around me who have headsets on what did they say what was that penalty what's going on I don't understand I can't see uh people are drunk around me there's a fist fight behind me a guy just peed on my shoe I don't want to be there but in my living room it's the greatest television show that was ever invented I I know that the ratings are down this year so supposedly not in my house I'm watching here is is an a life-changing event for me in sports. I want to see if you had a similar one. Uh, Sidney Crosby's 29 years old. Yeah, how about that? He's now the old guy. Well, older guy. He has to fend off the challenge, these pesky whippersnappers, sure. Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. And I haven't talked about it with Sid yet, but I never thought I'd, I'd live to see the day where Sid was the old guy. Yeah, how about that? Well, it, it's... It happens, and it's so funny, as you get older, these things happen over and over again, and then, you know, the sons of the guys you watched play are playing, and their sons are in college playing ball, and they're coming up, and you see guys like like Yager, to me, is the, is the better example for, for my tenure here in Pittsburgh. Yager, I will never see as anything other than an 18-year-old geeky weirdo, right? I, that's all, I, I'm sure that he'll never see me, well, he doesn't know who I am, but, but, People will remember me as, you know, a long-haired disc jockey in my mid-20s because that's what people, when they met you, that's what you were. When I met Yager, that's what he is. To see him now as a mid-40s guy with, he's just so together. You know, he's, no matter who's asking him a question, he just, he's been through it all and he's got the right answer and he knows how to comport himself. I will never see him as that. I will never see him as that. And I think I'll probably always see Sid as a kid too, but he's got that baby face look. But as you, you were saying earlier in the week, they keep wanting to bring up the next 
they want they want to they want to proclaim the, him, not let him earn it, but just right. proclaim he's the better player. But in the day, it was the next Gretzky, and, and sure for Gretzky, it was, it, he was the next Bobby Hull or whoever you want to name. But they keep wanting to proclaim these guys in their first season, and I got it. You got to drum up interest in the sport, and it does get interest in the sport. And guys are fascinating, but in any sport, and you know this better than anybody else, in any sport. People do not know your tendencies, and they do not know the way you play until you've played some games, and they will adjust to it. And then we'll see if you're a great player, no matter what sport it is. Then we'll see if you're a great player. Once they learn your tendencies and they shut you down, they shut down the game that you've been playing for the past, oh, I don't know, six or seven years, let's say if you're 20 years old. That game you've been playing for five or six or seven years doesn't work all of a sudden. Then what are you going to do? That's the question. Scott, you are a brilliant legend of radio, just like me. <laughs> and, and, and I'm glad you could make it in. Seriously, this was great. This is really an honor. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. And you Congratulations. Were you were welcome anytime. Like I said, pirate season, just just come on in. We'll switch. That, that, you we'll, can go you can go clean stalls. <laughs> <laughs> on second thought, we'll see you at spring training. That's Scott Paulson. We got Subway Hockey Night next. Hockey calls only. 412-333-WXDX. This is Subway Hockey Night. The latest Penguins news, the best hockey talk. Exclusively on your home of the Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins, 105.9 The X. Here's your host, Mark Madden. Thanks to Scott Paulson for joining me. That was a great half-hour radio. I know I certainly enjoyed it. Right now it's time for Hockey Talk. We want hockey calls only 412-333-WXDX. It's Subway Hockey Night, sponsored by, of course, Subway. And the Penguins play at Los Angeles tonight, and boy, what a win last night uh, against the Anaheim Ducks. The Penguins could make a clean sweep of Southern Cal by beating the Kings tonight. And uh, who would doubt that they will after their performance against the Ducks yesterday? Five to one, five different goal scorers, 13 different point scorers. Matt Murray, 32 saves, played very well. And Chris Letang with just an incredible game. When Tanger's out, after a while you get used to him being out. And then when he returns, it's like, oh my God. I remember what this guy brings to the table. And he was, I think, the dominant player for the Penguins last night. The only Penguin with two points, a goal, and an assist. Uh, Just a great job done by number 58. Uh, Some very memorable goals as well. Uh, That pass Sid whipped across the slot from a crowd, through a crowd to get the Hornquist for a layup was incredible. Kessel and Malkin did the magic that they've promulgated quite a bit recently, and that resulted in Gino's goal, which was a bit of a seeing-eye shot. But you want to see that guy put the puck on net. When he's not doing that, you worry. He's not nearly as involved when Gino isn't putting the puck on net. Last night he did, and that puck happened to go in. He's still got to cut down on the penalties, though. Uh, Matt Cullen with an exquisite finish off a spinorama pass from Tom Sestito. Yes, you heard me, Tom Sestito. Uh, Brian Rust went to the net and got a, a goal from the blue paint. Chris Letang went to the net and got a tip-in that showed, up. Uh, well, a forwards touch right in front of goal. So, again, a marvelous win for the Penguins last night. Marc-Andre Fleury in goal tonight against the Kings. The Kings struggling a bit. They've lost three in a row. They're four and six on the season. And the Eastern Conference has adjusted much better. 
much better to the way hockey is now than the Western Conference has. And that showed last night. The Western Conference wants to be bigger and tougher, and they can be that when they're playing against other Western Conference teams, but when they're playing against the East in particular, a team that really has a lot of locomotion like the Penguins do, it's not going to go good. And I don't think it's going to go too good for the LA Kings tonight, especially if the Penguins come out and play even remotely similar to how they did last evening. So, Pens and Kings tonight, Penguins now 7-2-1 and on the season. And boy, speed just like last year, is killing. Uh, to, to kind of drive home that point about the East-West thing, speed versus size, it took the Penguins six games to beat the San Jose Sharks in the final. And a lot of people thought San Jose was going to win. It took the Penguins six games to beat San Jose, but was that series ever really in doubt? Because I really don't think it was. I really feel like the Penguins were online to win that series from the get-go. In fact, I think I made the remark uh, after the Penguins won the Stanley Cup that they swept it in six games. Because even the games that the Sharks won, I thought the Penguins controlled. The only series, you see, the Penguins, boy, they're such a tough team to build a team to beat. They're such a tough team to figure out a, a, a method, tactics to to beat in a series especially. Look at Tampa Bay. They had a team almost as fast as the Penguins, maybe even a bit more skilled than the Penguins. Well, okay, maybe not till Stamkos came back, and he only came back for Game 7. But uh, I never felt like Pittsburgh was going to lose that series. To me, the toughest series, and I've said it many times, was Washington – And that's because the Caps had a lot of speed, a lot of skill, and a lot of size. They were kind of a hybrid team. Not as much speed as Pittsburgh, nowhere near. Not as much skill either, but a lot more size. And they had enough speed to make that size mean something. Anaheim last night, San Jose in the Stanley Cup Final. Most of the West teams, when they play the Penguins, they don't have the speed to make the size mean anything. You can be as big as you want, but if you can't catch anybody to lay body on body, there's no point. 412-333-9939. As I've said uh, a couple times during today's broadcast, uh, you can let the goalie controversy start now. Flurry played great in the first nine games with Murray out. Murray's back, and he looked good last night. He looked totally comfortable. He wasn't nursing anything. Uh, just a great game and goal by Matt Murray. Didn't have to be great, but it was. So uh, let the goalie controversy officially start now. Curious to see who's going to be in uh, the lineup tonight because I wasn't shocked when Kuhnhockel got scratched last night in favor of Festino. But I did kind of say, okay. Now, if you're going to keep Festino, he needs to play once in a while. And I think when you have a grueling 82-game season on top of what was a grueling 24-game playoff and there was precious little gap between the two, everybody could use a break. But not just Tom Kuhnhockel. I would like to see every Penguin forward, every Penguin defenseman too, play about 75 games. I'd like to see breaks built in for even the best players, but that will not happen because 
that's not really how hockey works. Let's go to John in the car. John, you're on Subway Hockey Night. And it's great to be on. A quick question for your prior comment prior to the goalie uh, situation. Uh, Crystal Tang got the speed and skill that you could very easily see in a very tough, tough uh, six winger versus a defensive. Okay, they're not going to make him into a winger. Anything no, no, else? No, that's, that's not what I'm asking you. Okay, I'm go ahead. Where, where in his development do you think somebody come to him and said, hey, with your speed, you can skate like no other defenseman? Stick with that, or you just think that his talents led him in that direction to be more of a defensive player versus Now, see, that's a good question. I underestimated you. I don't know in Tanger's case, John, but I think what happens is I think when kids are very young in hockey, they get put in a position almost randomly and just play and get used to playing it and want to keep playing it. Um, I haven't talked to many NHL players who played a different position as a kid than they play now. When's the last time you heard about that? I, that's very interesting. I was just thinking, he's got the, the skill. When you see him play, or his his uh, one-on-one abilities, especially in the shootouts, to play in traffic as well as deep the goalie, you could very easily see him being a, a winger, but the way he skills and uh, skates and moves the puck, He's probably the, one of the best, if not the best, skating defenseman in hockey. And I'm sure maybe somewhere along the line, if he started as a bigger kid maybe playing defense, that's just where he stuck. I was just curious your opinion on when coaches or somebody got in his ear. I think said, you hey, used you- the right word, stuck. Uh, and that doesn't mean Tanger should have been moved. And you know what else, too? Let, let's just play the what-if game. And I'm going to ask Tanger about this next time I see him. But let's play the what-if game, John. Let's say you're you're a coach of, of Chris Letang when he's like 11 or 12, right? Right. And you're saying, boy, this kid flies like the wind. He can handle the puck. He's got offensive skills. And if I'm coaching, well, my philosophy when I did coach was, I want to keep that unique talent on defense. And I would wonder aloud if moving him to forward would necessarily mean increased production. See, I think that would be a sign of a good coach because – Oh, you got selfish that right. Coach, no, no doubt about it. But selfish coaches would have put him on offense. So no, no, dumber coaches. Selfish coaches keep yeah. him on defense because he's going to produce. Uh, that that was always my mantra. If I could get somebody to produce on defense, why would I move him to wing? It's so why much is- harder to find people to produce on defense. Thank you for the call. It's a good call by John. I'm as shocked as the next guy. Uh, time now for more hockey calls. Hockey talk only. Uh very excited to see the game tonight. Last night, I was switching back and forth frantically between the World Series and the Penguin game. And the Penguins played so good, I found that uh, matchup, that that game against the Ducks, equally interesting to Game 7 of the World Series, which was, of course, an 8-7, 10-inning thriller. But then again, I would feel that way because I'm a hockey guy. 412-333-WXDX. You're listening to Subway Hockey Night on the home of the Stanley Cup champion, Pittsburgh Penguins. Call 412-333-WXDX to get in on the best hockey talk. Once again, your host, Mark Madden. This is Subway Hockey Night. Don't forget you can hear the Penguins and the LA Kings. The puck drops at 10.30 tonight. Penguins Network pregame show before that. So all the best hockey talk in Pittsburgh can be heard only on the home of the Penguins, 105.9 The X. We've had a few people waiting patiently to get on uh, to talk hockey. Let's go to Dave in the car. 
Dave, you're on Subway Hockey Night. Hey, hello. I just want to say that I really hope that the average fan takes into consideration um, the way that the team plays in regards to whether Flurry or Murray are in a net when evaluating them. Okay, uh, expand on that. What exactly do you mean? Uh, play behind a net, defensive uh, zone play, neutral zone um, play, etc. Yeah, you're, you're kind of losing me. Uh, Puck blocking, Puck blocking, shot blocking. Okay, but they, they will block shots in the playoffs. They won't as much now. No team does as much now. I think what you have to do is is evaluate the time of year when you look at the goalie's numbers, but the goalie's numbers are the goalie's numbers, and they're not going to play any differently in front of Murray than they do in front of Flurry. You said it better than me. As I should. I'm a paid professional. Let's go to Mark in Scottsdale. Mark, ask Mark any. Wait, no. Subway hockey night. Sorry, right, um, my radio my, clock uh, kicked in. What do you want? Uh, my buddy Wes and I go to one game a year. Uh, would Tuesday be a game you would target if you just went to one game a year? <laughs> if you're going to one game a year, yeah. I think Sid versus McDavid would be as good a game as any. Uh, do you have tickets yet? No, I'm going to buy them here shortly tonight. Yeah, I think there's still uh, very few available. I wouldn't wait too much longer, Mark. But, yeah, I don't think you can go wrong watching Sid versus McDavid. Pittsburgh hosting Edmonton at PPG Paints on Tuesday. Let me ask you, Mark, why do you only go to one game a year? Uh, just, you know, worth family, money. <laughs> Usually just pirate games. Take the whole family down. Well, hold up. Are pirate games that much more affordable? Not really. I mean, seat-wise, you can get cheaper seats. Well, I might hasten to add, Mark, the Penguins are trying to win, and the Pirates are running a shell game. Why would you That's not spend true. more money on the Penguins? At least they're giving bang for the buck, value for money. I just think that for the money we spend, going to the Pirate game as a family is a better family experience. Hey, if you I can reconcile Penguins, cheating your family along with yourself by spending money there when they don't really try to win, hey, who am I to say you're doing a lousy job as a father? Let's go to Tony in the car. Tony, you're on Subway Hockey Night. Yeah, Mark, I got a, another hockey development question. So my son is just about to start playing hockey here in January. I got him signed up. How old is the he? The problem is he's four years old. Um, he's he's ambidextrous, though, so I don't know what hand to have him shoot with. How he's can you really tell at four years old he's ambidextrous? He writes with both hands. Really? He throws really? with both hands. He does everything both-handed. I was the same way, so. That's but I don't amazing. Know how to pick a side. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't you know, know a, a couple NHL players were ambidextrous in the way they played. Gordy Howe is primarily a right-handed shot, but every once in a while, tight space, he'd grip and rip a, a lefty shot. Um, who else is ambidextrous? Sid has elements of that, but he never goes off his left hand. He plays so good on the backhand part of the stick. If I were you, well, first of all, I'd let your kid do whatever he wants. I'd let him enjoy hockey. But there's no side that comes more natural to him in hockey. Yeah. No, no, that was a question. No, yeah, I'm not entirely sure yet. He seems like he's just kind of feeling them both out. I was thinking straight stick, no curve, and yes. just let it go. And he should do long. that anyway. When you're okay. starting him out that young, and boy, that's young, you're not talking about competitive hockey yet, obviously. I don't even think that exists. Uh, the big thing got to do is make him a good skater. Yes, definitely. Make sure that he gets trained in that properly. But uh, 
Yeah, I would definitely do that. I would let ev- I would have every kid use a straight stick, even if the side he plays on is uh, more apparent than with your son. Yeah, get him a straight stick. Call me back. Let me know how it turns out. I'm actually interested. That's that's pretty curious. All right, we'll do. Thank you. Wow, some weird but good calls today on Subway Hockey Night. Penguins and Kings tonight. Penguins seven two and one. Ain't nothing wrong with eight two and one. Tomorrow, Paul Coffey joins the show. 105.9 The X.